I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'll tell you what, uh, if I'm honest with you, my, my mind is still blown. You heard before the, uh, before the commercial break there as I was talking with Dave Cauley, the host of the Cold Podcast, uh, that this new uh, swath of information that they have, uh, that Dave has been able to get his hands on, uh, the, the data uh, and the synopsis of wiretapped conversations which were had between uh, just countless people and Steve Powell, the father of Josh Powell, includes two phone conversations between myself and Steve Powell. I, I have been pouring over this document uh, during the commercial break, and my mind is blown. It came, uh, I was working here for Doug Wright. I was his producer, and uh, I, I, I'm trying to put together the details as to why we were reaching out to Steve on this day. But I'm reading here, and this is, uh, this is stunning stuff, a synopsis of a wiretapped conversation between myself and uh, and Steve Powell, it's it's incredible. I will. Uh, uh, I'm going to read through this in greater depth later on to get my uh, head wrapped around it, and I'll share some of my thoughts later on. Uh, but I will, in addition to that, extend again the invitation to you to check out the Cold Podcast available at the KSL News Radio app. Uh, right now, though, I want to talk about something that you and I have discussed uh, on this program before, and it is <clears throat> it is the the law. Here in the state of Utah, as it defines rioting uh, or uh, riots, and currently, uh, state code defines a riot as two or more people engaging in quote tumultuous or violent contact conduct rather that quote knowingly or recklessly creates a substan- substantial risk of causing public harm. Tumultuous, tumultuous. I wonder how often you see in uh, state or federal code uh, the word tumultuous. That's a good word. Uh, Rioting right now at class B misdemeanor, but becomes a third degree felony if in the course of the conduct, any person, quote, suffers bodily injury or substantial property damage, arson occurs, or the defendant was armed with a dangerous weapon. At the behest of the Utah Sheriff's Association, the state's law enforcement and criminal justice interim committee has voted uh, unanimously. This vote came uh, yesterday to open a committee bill file to study the rioting code and look at how it's handled in Utah compared to other states. I wanted to hear uh, some of the rationale as to uh, the request. Why did the Utah Sheriff's Association make that request? Joining me is the president uh, of the Utah Sheriff's Association, Nate Curtis, uh, joins me now. Nate, sir, uh, thanks for coming on the program. How are you? Oh, we're doing well. We're doing well. How about you guys? I'm, I'm all right. You heard me describing this revelation of mine where I'm on the I'm on one end of a wiretap. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, what'd you do? Call him while he was in jail or something? Uh, he it, the, the the authorities were keeping an eye on him uh, in 2011, later half of 2011, and uh, and that was when I guess I had called as a, as a journalist looking for information. Uh, fascinating well, stuff. But uh, that's always interesting. Yeah, tell me about but. it. Uh, <laughs> no, but that was a shock. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you you reached out to uh, your organization, spoke. Uh, with the Law Enforcement Criminal Justice Interim Committee, asked that uh, a, a committee bill file be opened. I'm just curious, wh- why make that request? So our biggest issue that we've heard from also from our sheriffs, our fellow sheriffs, especially those directly involved in some of the writing that goes on, the biggest issue is, hey, let's take a close look at this and make sure we're doing things the right way. Uh, you know, you mentioned it just a minute ago, that it's only it only takes two people. And tumultuous behavior right yeah. so that could be anything that could really be anything from just a couple of people yelling at each other out in the middle of the road does that really justify a rioting or is it actually going to the extent that hey they're causing damage they're going there with that intent they're not actually out there to share their views and express their views they're actually going to create a public safety risk and that's what we're concerned about is those people that are intentionally creating public safety risks and putting other people's life and business and other entities at risk. And so we that's why we asked is that they would look at that, see what we can do, if we can need to make that a little more. Do we need to make it clear? Do we need to be strict on things? Do we need to better define things? And how do we make sure that those that are actually doing the serious crime actually be held accountable. Yeah, My, my layman's interpretation of this uh, is that, well, first off, specificity is good. Clear, defined yes. definitions in statute are good. And tumultuous, that's a tough one. Knowingly, that's yes. a tough one. Recklessly, that's a tough one as well. As you have, as you've received input from uh, your associated sheriffs, uh, have there been like specific concerns? Were there any requests or were there any uh, observations made by the sheriffs where they said we need to we need to adjust it in this fashion, or is this just an open ended? Uh, you know, a, as the the interim committee has opened, uh, is it just a, a study? Well, I think the first part is exactly what you said. It isn't defined enough, you know, and and that's not fair to anybody if we can't come out and say this is clearly where the line was crossed. If we can't clearly define it, then we have a problem, and that's not fair to the citizens either. And so that's one of those things that we ask to do. But the other part is, is when it comes to property being damaged, you know, that's really where we have that issue is when people are using and and saying that they're going there to protest, but they're also intentionally, you know, they know they're going there and we can prove that they knew that's what they were going to do. I mean, we have cases in Utah County where the guy was talking about he was getting a gun and he was going to go there and go kill somebody. He was going to shoot a cop. He was those type of things. When we can prove that they were going to do those things, we need to help hold them a little more accountable than just somebody going and, and being a little tumultuous. And that's pretty, like you said, open-ended. Yeah. So uh, I think that's our big issue is we want to be clearly defined what it is and clearly define how those are done and what we need to make sure to what justifies that behavior or not. 
Uh, well, very good. Uh, Nate Curtis, president of the Utah Sheriff's Association. Thank you for your time here on the air. Thank you for your service in law enforcement. And uh, I look forward to, as this moves along, uh, I'm anxious to, to get your thoughts as various uh, maybe proposals emerge from this study. And who knows, maybe some legislation, things are changed. Maybe we see something like what they've got going on uh, in Tennessee after a recent piece of legislation signed into law uh, by the governor mm-hmm. makes destroying state property a felony crime up to six years. Uh, who knows if we get to that point, but yeah. we'll, we'll stay in touch, all right? Okay, sounds good. You have a good one, and, and don't get on any more wiretaps. I, <laughs> well, how am I supposed to know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess if they're doing their job right, you won't. I guess so. so Nate Curtis, thank you so much. Good. All righty. Very good. We'll talk to you later. We're going to take a break right now. When we return, I'll be joined by a colleague of mine from ABC News, Mark Remillard. He has been following uh, some new outlines released by the federal government relating to how COVID-19 vaccines will be distributed, not only in terms of who gets it and when, but how much will it cost? We'll find out from Mark Remillard with ABC News next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.